Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined as always by my fellow Matt, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Matty, good to see you as always. Yes, sir. How's it going? It's it's you know it'd be going better if this offensive line could block, but we're going to talk about that and much more uh, <laughs> with uh, one of our favorite returning guests, uh, the publisher of BadgerBlitz.com, John McNamara. John, thank you again for uh, hanging out with us tonight. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. We had Jake on a couple of weeks ago. We love the Badger Blitz guys. So uh, we had actually we had Mike Farrell on recently. We are we are definitely a pro rival show around here. I like to hear that. As you guys know, we are in fact presented by BetOnline.ag. The football season is in full swing on the gridiron. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100 when you do. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So, so let's get right into it. Um, what God, is what's going on? Yeah, what's going on with this team? What is <laughs> wrong? I mean, Matt and I from the outside, you know, Matt's been the last two games. He's been he's seen all sorts of stuff. I sit on my couch yelling at my TV, throwing popcorn and trying not to like smash my beer over my coffee table can you know can only see so much what what is just wrong with this team yeah i don't know how much time you guys have tonight um <laughs> oh god that cuts like a knife <laughs> no, I, you know the consensus right uh, defense is very good offense there's a there's a lot of layers to to unpack there um you, you know you know i think that you saw at least in the game against michigan that you know grant Mertz is not shouldering you know this entire you know offense struggling here um, you know, you, you talked about the offensive line, uh, you know, both pass blocking and run blocking, obviously quarterback play hasn't been great. You know, you can bring in play calling, you know, does Graham Mertz have the full playbook at his disposal? You know, how much of that is Paul Chris cut off? I, I just think that there's, there's a laundry list of things on that offensive side of the ball where, you know, you could spend a whole podcast dissecting just about every position group, but I think you'd have plenty of content to talk about. John, I have a question for you. So I was, I had, I, like I said, was talking before, I had a lunch meeting with an alumni because I, I work for the university. I have like the coolest job, you know, talking to alumni, connecting them back to the university. And this gentleman, I've never heard this before. So I, I, it kind of piggybacks on what you just said. He basically said, I have a theory. If you look at Coach Chris' offense from two years ago and previous, previ- you know, two years ago, previous, there's been always a shift a lot of the plays had shifts and a lot of the plays had some type of motion and we are not seeing that. And he goes, because Graham Mertz or the offensive line or the other skill positions cannot do it. They don't know how to do it. They can't do it. I was struck. I was, you know, I, I actually was like, wow, maybe that holds some, holds some water. What do you think? Yeah. And you saw that, I think on the first offensive snap, 
of the Notre Dame game where they, they did run some pre-snap stuff. I think they ran play action and you're like, okay, Paul Chris has been reading the message boards. Obviously not. He would never do anything like that, but you're like, okay, now we're starting to see a little bit more of this. Um, and then he didn't see it going forward. You know, I think that, you know, you can even look back to when Jack Cohn, his first couple starts, I remember on the road when they were at Northwestern, it just seemed like he was operating with, you know, 15%, 20% of that playbook because they, they, you just didn't see those same wrinkles that you've seen when Chris has confidence in his quarterback. So, you know, I don't think Chris forgot how to call games, but you could say that he gets conservative maybe to a fault when he doesn't have full confidence in his quarterback. And then you look at the, the struggles that Mertz had, and you could say on the flip side, you know, do you blame him for that? Because at times Mertz seems like the game is just moving too fast for him. So, you know, is it kind of the chicken or the egg there? I, I, you can make an argument either way, but I do think that that playbook, you know, kind of dissolves, you know, quite a bit when he doesn't have confidence in that guy there. So I, I think that, that that makes a really good point. You know, he has been really inconsistent, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the offensive line hasn't given him enough time for him to be consistent, right? I mean, we saw the PFF stab, 29 dropbacks, 29 pressures. Now, is there were actual pressures on 18 of those 29 dropbacks, but the fact that there were more than one pressure on, what, 11 dropbacks there says a lot as well. In my sort of outside view, it is goes down to a lot of the offensive line, and this is a position group that has more, you know, higher star rankings from recruits. You know, it's... Wisconsin's offensive brand is offensive line. What is wrong with that unit in in general? Are they not gelling? Is it coaching? Is it play calling? Is it strength? Like, do you have a sense of what is just leading this group to struggle so mightily this year? Because, you know, you could say that this might be the worst performing position group on the field. Absolutely. And that's probably the biggest head scratcher for me is that unit altogether, because it's not like he's putting redshirt freshmen out there, third-year guys out there, um, you know, with the exception of obviously Tipman and, uh, and Jack Nelson. But, like, you know, Ty, you know, Tyler Beach is a guy who's, who's played a lot of football for them. He's a fifth-year guy. Logan Bruss is a guy that you feel like he can play at the next level. Um, Cade Lyles has been there for five years, and obviously he's kind of been splitting time at center too. So that's the biggest question mark for me. I don't think it has to do with weight room stuff because, you know, if you go from what they've talked about, Going into fall camp, a lot of guys hit PRs. You know, Seltzner is one of the strongest guys to come through the program. Um, so that, that's that's not something that I point to. Is it coaching? You know, I'm not a heads need to roll type guy, but that's a difficult conversation that Paul Chris needs to have with Joe Rudolph. Is you know, what's the direction of the offensive line? Because at least on paper, that unit is really really strong in the freshman class, in the sophomore class, and you know those guys are coming through the ranks, and you're worried. Is it a player development thing? Are we going to see a guy who comes in as a freshman and he's he's going to look the same in three or four years? So that's the one I can't really pinpoint. And obviously, you know, the media, we get a little bit of taste of, of spring camp, fall camp, but obviously these coaches are, are seeing 95% more of the stuff that we're seeing. So it's tough to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's Joe Rudolph. It's his fault. I, I'm not going to say that, but that's a head scratcher because you felt like going into this year, the offensive line is going to be pretty good. We talked about that a lot, actually. We thought guys were going to be step up and and dominate the line of scrimmage a little bit more than we are, or a lot more than we are seeing. John, I don't want to. I want to keep. I want to go back eventually to the the motions and the shifts because that's so characteristic of Paul Christ. 
And I actually, when you watch TV sitting on the couch, I hated it. But when you when you understand the game more, how important are those? The, just the shift alone messes with the defense, and the shift, and then the motion messes with the defense again. So we're putting guys in terrible positions on the defense. Now that we can't do that, do you think it's also some of the inexperience or just the line not being able to do it that when we shift, usually you shift to the uh, the strong side will shift right, so the tight end will go from one side to the other. Then the then the D line will make some they'll make some um, some checks. Same with the linebackers. Do you think our guys just can't see it quick enough? Well, there's there's no reason that Jake Ferguson. He, you know, he's done that. He's, he's done that for his career. He's made those shifts. He, he started off on one side of the line. He's motioned to the other side, put his hand on the ground. You know, they're these receivers, you know, you look at Danny Davis, it's, it's his fifth year. Um, you know, Kendrick Pryor, it's, it's his sixth year. So these aren't guys who are like, man, they just, <laughs> they just have never learned the playbook. They can't do it. I tend to think that that does fall on Mertz. And again, I'm not a quarterback guru, but it at times seems like, the game is moving too fast for him. So if a guy, you see that as a coach, you want to simplify things. So don't do a bunch of stuff pre-snap. Um, you know, keep it simple. Keep him locked in so he can read where the linebacker is. And, you know, you obviously need the offensive line to help you make those calls, right? It's crazy because they talked about one game where they didn't identify where Notre Dame plugged in a safety instead of a linebacker. Like, that just, like, wasn't identified. And they brought it up after the game. And I think Tittman said, we just didn't see it. And we never corrected it. Like that kind of stuff, I think is inexcusable. I, I, you know, does that go for the assistant coaches that are up in the box upstairs, so they can see that type of stuff? You know, when it when it comes down to stuff like that, I, I think that is absolutely things that need to be corrected and can be corrected. It can be, but but to me, that screams the offensive unit as a whole. You know, the lines not coming off the field saying this is what we're seeing. You know, when we came off the field, all the coaches were like, what are you seeing out there? You know, they see it too, but you, you, you go, you know, you, you open both your minds up. I, I, it's, it's scary to hear that because what are the coaches doing then? You know, to me, that's a, that's a coaching misread that you don't know that they've moved the guy around. I don't know. I just feel like it's almost like we took a COVID vacation break this year and, and like stopped really working hard and the old line is suffering big time. John, I, every blitz that they had, we cannot figure out what it is. We can't figure out the blocking scheme. No one's calling who's who out there. It's very scary. Actually, if, if I was Mertz, I would be scared back there. And if he doesn't know who the blocking, he should, where the line should you know shift or go towards, that's on him. He needs to learn that stuff. And I think that storyline picked up really, you know, late first half, early second half against Michigan where you, you saw Mertz get a little bit of confidence. Then he gets rocked by a cornerback blitz that just doesn't get picked up. You saw Malusi go out of the game. I think Braylon Allen took more snaps then. So yeah, I, that's kind of stuff is puzzling though, because you know, that is a veteran group. And when you got Caden Lyles in there, he's a fifth year guy as a center. And you, you know, you go back and you just watch football. It doesn't have to be the Badgers. You watch an NFL game, the center gets up to the ball first and he's pointing out guys. He's pointing out where the middle linebacker is. He's pointing out what the defense is and, you know, I I'm not down on the field. We don't know if that's not going on, but maybe they're just not recognizing it, and they're going to the snap, not knowing where where blitzes are coming from, what coverage they're in, and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, like I said, you could you could talk about this for an awful long time. 
Yeah, you, you absolutely could. I mean, one thing I want to talk about, last thing as it pertains to offensive line, I promise we'll get off this soon. <laughs> it's just, it's it's my pet peeve as, yes, I was only in high school, but I was an offensive lineman. I, I'm obsessed with offensive linemen. And there's they're rotating in nine guys every game. That's, you know, we've seen them rotating guys before. I remember there was a season where, like, Van Lannan wasn't technically the starting left tackle, but he was playing, like, 50, 60% of the snaps at left tackle, but six, maximum seven guys. I've never seen nine guys play this much before. Is that, John, an indictment of the the fact that they, they don't know who the best guys are? They're just trying to keep a bunch of guys happy? Or do you know what's going on with, with those big rotations? Well, when you ask Paul Chris, they'll tell you that those nine guys earned it. So, you know, they, they've earned that playing time. And he also went as far as to say, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, no one seems to be bothered when you rotate a handful of cornerbacks. No one gets bothered when you rotate a handful of receivers. When you see that offensive line, you know, people start to talk about it. And, you know, I, yeah, absolutely. Because that doesn't happen. And it hasn't happened in this program really ever. I mean, I don't know, Matt, like back in your playing days, I remember they were rotating like two fifth year guys at guard, you know, two, I can't remember who they were, but like that, you know, you never saw these kind of wholesale hockey rotations. And I think they kind of tighten that up, you know, in the second half against Michigan. And if you go back in the pro football focus numbers, and again, like that's just one set of data that I guess you could look at, but you know, those numbers tend to show you that the starting five that are out there, are generally the best five that Wisconsin has in terms of pass blocking, which we didn't see a whole lot of against Michigan and run blocking. So, you know, if you look at the numbers, according to pro football focus, they would suggest that that top group stays out there. And I think we saw more of that in the second half against Michigan. Yeah. Outside of, outside of beach, he has the third worst pro football focus pass blocking grade in all of power five. Right. So, so you can say, you know, is it, is it an injury with beach because yeah. he was limited in fall camp? You know, is yeah. he not healthy? Um, yeah. He doesn't look, then, he doesn't look quick enough, frankly. I right. mean, he, guys are just flying by him. I mean, you saw that in Penn state in the first week. I mean, guys are going untouched around him. So I forget who had that, the temple defensive end, who was the transfer. He was just like flying around him that whole time, but we don't, I don't need to get bogged down here. Let, let, let's go to some positives here for a minute. Wait, let's, let's talk- go. Yeah. Let's let's John, you brought up Braylon Allen. What's okay? So there's been four guys rotating last game. To me, you cannot get in the groove. Sorry, Matt, to cut you off. No, please. I, I, I want to talk RBs. Yeah, you know that's, that's your wheelhouse, baby. Oh, it, I love it, man. But also, a lot of guys earn the right to play on the field, and you play the best guys. You want to win. This is a business. I mean, it's not the NFL, but now with the NIL, it is the NFL. So you want to win. Like people aren't paying tickets to go to a losing game. I mean, I am, obviously I'm that guy who's <laughs> going to all the games. Um, so what, so moving forward, listen, Ches Malusi didn't, I don't think anyone passed block particularly well. I think that's a huge emphasis. I think we need to have them help on DMs. I thought running was fine, but Braylon Allen showed me some, you know, he got in the game and he just said, you know what, we're losing and I don't care. I'm going to run hard. Showed some heart out there. At least that's what I think. Yeah, and I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was gonna say, what, what, what does, what's that room look like? Like, you have four guys who, I guess, now Coach Chris says deserve to play. Who's the best guy? Who should be playing? That's a good question. I, I'll start by saying I think you see more of Allen moving forward. Um, that's 
That's not like uh, inside information. I, I think that's the way it's trending with him. Um, specifically because it seems like he might be the best pass blocker there. I think of that four, at least right now, Jalen Berger has the chance to be special. Um, and we, you know, is it inconsistency? Obviously something was up week one where he suits up and he gives off the impression that there was no chance that he was playing. So, I mean, I, I would assume something was going on behind the scenes there. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to speculate. Um, Malusi kind of is what he is. I think that if there's holes there, he can get you those yards. And then Gary Brown likes Isaac Arendo's kind of big playability. So, um, you know, you have four, but you don't have a clear cut guy. You're like, that's our number one. And he's going to get, you know, 18, 19, 20 carries. And then we're going to filter him behind him. I mean, it, it could change each week moving forward. You could see Braylon Allen start. I don't think you'll see Braylon Allen start. Um, against Illinois, but you know, in two, three weeks, I think everything's on the table. I could see any of those four guys getting the bulk of the reps in any of these games moving forward, just because there's, there's no clear cut number one guy in that group. But I, I, I find that to be a problem. It, yeah, yeah. Right. And it is. And you know, if, if you are in the boat of Paul Christ is not the correct person to do this, look, Jonathan Taylor covered up a lot of blemishes um, on that offense. And obviously he's one of the best to ever do it at the college level. But, you know, when you have a special running back like that, he makes everyone else look better. And they don't, they don't have a Jonathan Taylor. Like, you know, I don't know how any of those guys are going to develop, but they're not going to be Jonathan Taylor. Like I said, I think Berger can be special, um, but we haven't seen it yet. We, we've seen little flashes here and there. And the last part of that, I know pass blocking is, you know, front and center right now but Malusi and Berger are both guys who can catch the ball in the backfield. And I think that can open some stuff up as well. I don't think John Chanel is a guy who's going to catch much out of the backfield um, like Mason Stocky did last year, but those two running backs, you could probably put them on the field at the same time to give you a new wrinkle because both of them can receive out of the backfield. And you would imagine Garendo could too. I mean, he was a wide receiver in high school. Like you, you would think that he would be able to do something there or at least. He yeah, was absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's strange, and it's also strange to me that they have, I mean, we've been hearing for, I mean, everyone's been banging the same drum forever about freaking jet sweeps, you know. I, I still always will think back to the Big Ten title game against Nebraska, where I think Melvin Gordon just ran another jet sweep for 70 yards against them <laughs> as we're talking here. But, you know, you would think Garendo would be the perfect guy for that, but we really haven't seen it. We saw, like, one, I think we saw a jet sweep out of prior again, last week against Michigan that... He ran for like a that he ran 14, 15 yards for a first down, if I remember correctly. But I want to move to uh, I I don't want to go back to the offensive line entirely. Any chance you think we see like the uh, the return of the barge formation or some of like those I, yes, really really heavy sets? Yet. I have to, man. You know I love it. Like I just you know it, it's it's my it's my fever dream that Wisconsin goes out there and I see them bringing in two fullbacks and extra offensive linemen. And like Hayden Rucci at tight end. <laughs> I don't see that happening. <laughs> too bad. I, too bad. It is too bad. I don't. Uh, I don't envision that happening. I. I think you need to, you know, correct what you have in front of you. Not show up to practice on Monday and be like, "Hey guys, uh, we're dusting this off here." Um, <laughs> so let's start switching numbers so we can get nine, nine big guys on the field at once. And I, I don't see that. I mean, I think that your number one concern is like, "Hey, look." we know our best five, six, maybe seven guys there. Like that's, let's get some stuff fixed here. 
you know, maybe Illinois is, is a game where you can, you know, get right game in that department. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see that, that kind of stuff happening. Well, let's talk about that Illinois game. Uh, Brett Bielema versus Wisconsin. First time that uh, he has faced off against his former team since he left a bit unexpectedly to take the Arkansas job. This is going to be this is going to be an interesting one. It's down in Champaign, so it's not quite a homecoming for the Badgers. You know, obviously, you know, Coach Christ and Coach Bielema coach together. There are other guys on the staff. Uh, you know, you had an article up there about Jimmy Leonard having you know played under Bielema for that one season. Uh, his senior 2004, uh, Coach Bielema was the defensive coordinator. What's the mood like in and around the program facing off against a guy who was so instrumental to the success of the program for about a decade? Yeah, it was funny because I think Jake asked Braylon Allen, uh, what do you remember about Brett Bielema with the Badgers? And Braylon's like, dude, I don't I don't remember. He was <laughs> in diapers. He's 17. He is 17 years old. He was he was born when we were all in college, which is kind of scary. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Like, obviously, none of those guys played for Bielema or recruited by him. Um, so, you know, it's tough to like kind of gauge their answers. And like when you're talking to guys on the team, I mean, they're not like rabid college football fans where they're like, yeah, I, and I follow a hundred different teams. I know everyone. So it's like, yeah, I, don't, I didn't really know Brett Bielema. I know that uh, I know that we're playing him on, on Saturday. So um, I think it's more so from the coaches. Cause obviously he's got those um, connections there. Um, and, you know, just to, to talk about Brett specifically, um, I, I like where he's at right now. I, I think he's in a good spot at Illinois and he's went on the record and said, look, I've, I went to the sec and got humbled a little bit. Then I went to the NFL and, and here I am right now. So, um, you know, I know that when he left for Arkansas, you know, one, that was a shock. And two, I think there's a large group of the Wisconsin fan base that was actively rooting against him and loved to watch ESPN two when Arkansas was playing, whoever they were playing and, and rooting against him. And I, look, you could say that he made the wrong move. You could, you could argue that, you know, he was left Wisconsin for a handful of different reasons, but like, he's kind of come full circle. And again, he's, he's matured and it's, it's a good story for the big 10. I think it's good for the conference. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much I really care. I mean, I, I was there for two years and I did enjoy Like I did think he was a great coach. Um, but I, I still, you know, his off field antics, you know, like it's hard to say because he was doing what I was doing, but I was in college. And that to me is, you know, you're a college defensive corner in our big stage. And then he kept doing it. I understand. Yeah. He definitely got humbled in Arkansas. Like, I mean, he was getting beat badly. He thought he could go against Saban. Like you do, I you're, think, uh, you're crazy to me. But you guys, uh, Matt, you might need to have a, a subscriber-only podcast where it's like Bielema after dark, where you tell some Brett Bielema stories. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I, know a few. <laughs> I don't know that many. Listen, I'm sure all the rumors that I hear are just to me they're rumors. But there's some truth a little bit to it, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I used to see him out. I think for him, it's more for Illinois. It's more of a like an advantage because he's going to be get, trying to get these guys fired up. I think we are trying to figure out still who should be out on the field, what works, what we can do, what we can't do. You know, this week, um, we got to get two quarterbacks ready. I mean, yes, Graham Mertz is coming back. That's what I re I've been reading yeah. and Ferguson. But 
you don't know what that means. You know, like, that guy went to the hospital. So right. he must have went to get x-rays on another x-ray machine or an MRI or something to get a better view of, because they have an x-ray machine in the stadium. I've been in that place way too many times. <laughs> um, actually, I think they wrote my name on the chair because I was in there all the time. Um, so it just makes me nervous. You know, Chase Wolf has to be ready to play. And now if we're talking about rotating O-lines, we're talking about rotating four running backs. We're talking about potentially getting two quarterbacks ready. I am super nervous, not just for this weekend, but for every game moving yeah. forward. Yeah. And, and then, oh, sorry, that, I'll let you go off of that. And then, and then how about this? Go off of that and then go off of what does this do for recruiting if we don't go to a bowl with the NIL that we don't seem to be aggressive with? What, what does that look for Wisconsin future? Good question. Um, I was going to say last part. I mean, Brett is good at pushing those type of buttons in the locker room where he, you know, Wisconsin's limping down there to Champaign. Like you said, they traditionally haven't played well there. And I think Brett is going to control the narrative down there. And yeah, that's a, that's a scary team, you know, even though the record doesn't show it because, you know, like you said, every week is kind of scary. If you're a Wisconsin fan, you could talk yourself into losing the rest of the games this season. um, Unless you see some, some big improvements, Um, you know, recruiting wise, I think Wisconsin in terms of this season, you'll have to see what the results are in this 2023 class. You know, Wisconsin went into this season with, uh, I believe, 11 kids committed. Um, you know, they're really low in looking at to, to maybe get to, you know, 14, 15. A couple of them are in-state guys. Um, but, you know, not only the NIL stuff that you talked about, Matt, but, um, you know, Wisconsin's recruiting department was gutted, essentially. Um, you know, Saeed right. Khalif is now at, at Michigan yep. State. He took someone with him, Jensen Gebhardt, who was he was basically the only guy in the office um, after a lot of people left. Um, you know, you saw one staffer go to Notre Dame. Um, right now, it's Eric Johnson that seems to be overseeing the program. They just made another hire. Um, you know, and I, I guess I haven't heard great things about some of the behind the scenes stuff. Not nothing bad, but maybe maybe the visits just aren't on the level of what they were in these last handful of recruiting cycles. And look, it, it's kind of an arms race where, you know, you need to load up on these recruiting departments to stay with, with some of these top programs. Um, you know, you look at a school like Georgia, I mean, their recruiting department, I don't know, 30, 40 people, you know, working just on recruiting. So uh, I'm curious to see what happens in this 2023 class for a number of different reasons. Maybe the biggest being that there's really no in-state guys that you can point to and say, yeah, he'll be part of this class. Right now, no one from inside the state is an offer from Wisconsin. And I would not be shocked if, if that stayed consistent. Um, because, you know, for as long as I've been doing this, that, that has never happened. Um, you've had some classes, like maybe three or four, but you've never had a class, you know, probably going into this fall where no one from that junior class has an offer from Wisconsin. And there, like I said, there's no clear-cut guy where you say, okay, eventually this guy's going to get an offer. So, uh, that that's going to make things even more difficult to round out that 2023 group, which is especially strange coming off of the you know the the pretty strong 21 class and the very strong in state class of 22 where they have you know six hot well what was six and with Allen reclassifying it's five a very high level power five players in the state plus in a, a, another a whole bunch more of guys I mean you see even someone like Seagraves kind of like popped at the last minute. He's not going to come in and play tight end, 
but it's it, it, it's pretty astonishing, you know, keeping track of that. Uh, let's talk about a little bit more X's and O's for this weekend. One of the things that's really interesting to me this weekend is going to be seeing kind of like almost like what could have been at tailback for Wisconsin and Reggie Love, who's playing for Illinois. He's had some moments this year uh, uh, at Illinois. And, you know, obviously the Badger run defense is what we can rely on. What should we who are not as in tune with, you know, what's going on in Champaign be keeping our eyes out looking for? Yeah, you know, you mentioned Reggie Love, and that was a top Wisconsin target. Um, can't remember the class, you know, two or three classes ago. I think it was a 20. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. You know, Wisconsin got him on campus, and I felt really good about them getting him back on campus. And then maybe one of the the few the few things that Lovey Smith did well was re- kind of recruit that Missouri slash St. Louis area. So didn't they uh, also hire his high school coach on staff? I, I believe so. Um, so a lot of times that helps. Uh, <laughs> when you say, if you hire me, I'll bring three guys. I promise. I uh, can't make any promises the next year. So, um, you know, even going back to the recruiting stuff, when we did the, like the, the, on the recruiting front, I was surprised at how few common targets there were between Wisconsin and Illinois. And a lot of that was Lovey Smith focusing on different areas he seemed to ignore in-state kids. He never ventured to Wisconsin. Um, and I think Brett's going to change that. You know, he's got a kid committed in uh, Joey Okla from, from Arrowhead. He's going after the 2024 kid, Derek Jensen, who had a chance to see play from the same high school. So, um, you know, I, I think that's going to change. I think you're going to see a lot more common targets there. Um, just just on the field, I mean, this is still very much like a Brett Bielema Wisconsin team. You know, he said all week, we want to run the ball. And, you know, that's what we're, we're going to try to do. And if you look at what teams have tried to do against Wisconsin, it's like, hey, we don't mind that you shut us down and let us rush for, for you know, 25 yards or 30 yards. We just want to hit a couple big plays over the top and we might be able to win a game 13 to 10. Um, so I, I think Brett has obviously watched those games. And, you know, Jim Leonard has, has talked about that. He's, he's basically said, like, look, they're just looking to beat us three or four times a game deep because, you know, we're obviously shutting things down uh, pretty consistently in the run game. So I would imagine Brett's going to try that uh, kind of recipe for success as well. Well, the recipe has been working. No doubt. It's good for all the other teams. No doubt. You know, I I also, but I also bring that back to we're on the, the defense is on the field a lot. So eventually you're going to get those plays. And yes. we just can't get off the field. That's why, you know, once again, in Michigan, they had that fourth down. They got it. Next play, flea flicker. And you're so, you know, you're mentally tired from that play before that you let your guard down and boom, they run a gimmicky play, which I, I love when we do it and it works, but I hate when anyone else does it against us. Um, but, you know, like to, to go back to Brett, though, listen, when you're sitting in a meeting room with him, you know, he gets you excited to play football. Yeah. Um, so I, I, in that, you know, the off-field antics are one thing, but when you're sitting in that in the room, you're getting coached by him. He's a good coach. And, and it does, you know, he did get killed in Arkansas, but that's because he was going up against way better teams. What he, what he potentially learned, what he could bring back to a team. And, and I think Brett's a problem for the future. I think this year, maybe not, but he's going to get those guys ready to play because it's Wisconsin. We're down. They haven't had a ton of success against us. You know, like two years ago, or was it two years ago? No, two years ago. Last year we crushed them, right? Yeah, two years ago, they beat yeah. Us. Last year was the Graham Mertz coming out party against right. Illinois, but two so years ago was yeah. a very strange loss. 
there's a lot more for Illinois to grasp at than I think for Wisconsin right now. I agree. And like I said, I think Brett can push those buttons and he can, he can control the narrative this week and have those guys ready to go. Um, and, you know, to kind of piggyback on what you said, Matt, if, if he's able to recruit the state of Illinois, specifically kind of that northern tip of the state, uh, you know, some of those Catholic school kids, get them down to Illinois. If, if he can do that and go into his sweet spots of, of Florida, he likes to go to Ohio. Look, I'm not going to say Illinois is going to win a Big Ten title anytime soon. But I think that that program is going to be much closer to 500. And then you're going to start to see him make, you know, probably go to bowl games as well. Again, I'm not calling for a national title anytime soon there, but I think he's a, he's not like the perfect guy or the, the, the unbelievable hire, but I think he's, he's a good coach at a good spot for him. And he's got a lot of, he seems to have a lot of resources to work with. I like the staff that he brought in. It's going to take a year or two, but I, I think he's going to get that program where it needs to be and where it hasn't been for a very long time. Yeah, since uh, Juice Williams. Yes, sir. I liked watching that guy play. <laughs> yeah, not against us. No, not against us, but against everyone else. You know, it's a it's another game you can watch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, you know, we've there's been you know everyone knows how good this defense is. The rush defense is phenomenal. The front seven is as good as anyone in the country. The secondary, though, to me, John seems like it ebbs and flows a little bit and we've seen our safeties get caught multiple times whether it's being a half second late biting on play action or just not having the foot speed to keep up with you know some some of the real top end playmakers we've seen the corners i've seen it seems like hicks is the one who gets picked on a little bit more which is a little bit strange i think williams has done a better job than hicks this season so far do you see them trying to make any sort of adjustment so they stop getting burnt over the top so much? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, even going into the season, you talk to people who are smarter than I am and you know, where's the weakness on this defense and right away. Hey, I don't think we're athletic enough at safety. And I, I think you've seen, look, this, this unit has been very good, but if, if you're going to nitpick, you know, they're, they're probably not athletic enough on the back end to, to, to be, you know, the, the highest level that they probably can be. Um, you've, you've seen John Torchio play a little bit more. You've seen his role increase, um, but you know he's not the, a coverage answer back there either. Um, so you know if if there is a spot where I think Wisconsin's vulnerable, it, it is that. Um, you know the safeties. Uh, I'm sorry, the cornerbacks. Yeah, I I would agree. They they seem to target Fan Hicks more. Notre Dame certainly did, and I thought he performed well. But yeah, you don't hear Caesar Williams' name called very much, and that's uh, that's certainly a good thing for a cornerback. Um, <clears throat> maybe the last part about this, and Matt kind of touched on it too, but. Look, if you're an offensive coordinator going up against Wisconsin, fourth down now is that much more open to you. Because, look, if, you, if you're if you at midfield and it's fourth and three, why not go for it? What confidence do you have if you turn the ball over that Wisconsin's going to drive down the field and score? So you're now saying, look, I, I basically have first down, second down, and two third downs to, to go against Wisconsin's defense. And that's that's a lot of pressure to put on a group, you know, to, to shut a team down for three downs. And then, like you talked about, maybe they get gimmicky on fourth down, something you haven't seen on film, and they break it for a big play. I mean, it's just tough. You know, that defense is on the field too much and, you know, compounded now where there's there's no threat, it seems, for Wisconsin to score. Opposing offensive coordinators are just licking their lips against Wisconsin. Yeah. To I mean, how many times did Michigan go for it? They And, and when they weren't going to go for it, it was a hard thought out predict with 
Harper was like, should I punt it? I don't know. We're doing so well. You know, like it wasn't like send the punt team on like, like normal. Everyone's like, you know, once third down's over, punt team on. Felt like it took a long time. That to me could be um, the recipe for the rest of all the teams. If you get to the 50-yard line, why not go for it? Absolutely. What Absolutely. on earth is is the Badger offense could do? Sadly, like, well, yeah, listen, he, I'm, you oh, know what, I'm Matt, not going to say we were good on offense. But at least we we move the ball a little bit. Well, what I was gonna say, Matt, was that maybe you don't go for it. You put the 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 punt team out there because the Badger special teams are so bad that they're gonna make they're gonna make multiple mistakes in every single game. Uh, you know the the punt coverage error uh, from this past game was atrocious, mitigated only by the fact that Wisconsin was able to hold the Wolverines to a field goal. We saw a kick return for a touchdown against Michigan. This seems to have been an issue for multiple years in a row now, John. And what is, do you know what the cause of that is? Is it a coaching thing, a recruiting thing, a personnel thing? Why have Badger special teams struggled so much in recent years? And especially this year. Yeah. Um, well, th- this is like the very easy fire Chris Herring. Why is he on the staff? He's only there because he's Paul Chris' best friend. Yeah, I mean, you could kind of go on and on there. Um, yeah, they've been bad, and they've been bad since Herring has been there. Um, they haven't been, you know, if you really, like, dive into the stats, you're like, all right, they're not terrible, but you know, they're still pretty bad. So I don't know. I mean, if, if, you, if Paul did make a change, that one seems to be the most logical. Um, you know, you have one guy in your staff that's dedicated to be the coordinator there, and obviously every one of those assistant coaching positions are very valuable. Um, you know, in the past, Wisconsin just kind of had, Hey, you know, one assistant coach takes the return team. One assistant coach takes the punt team. And then you have Taylor Melhoff there too. I mean, he's, he's a guy who handles a lot of that workload too. So I don't know. Um, again, like I can't sit and break down special teams film. Um, but when they make a mistake, it's like, Oh yeah, that's obvious. Uh, that happens. Should they have a scholarship, punter and kicker and long snapper every year. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's tough to use that. They've, they've, they've gotten away with say, Hey, here's the best in-state kid. You walk on here. If you're still in the program in three years as a starter, we'll give you a scholarship. Um, but you know, when, when special teams are bad, it's really noticeable. And, and you've obviously seen that this year. So yeah, yeah I don't know. And like, again, I'm not going to come on here and say Chris Herring needs to be fired, but that's, that's a conversation that you need to have because that might allow you to open a little bit more up potentially bring in an offensive coordinator slash QB's coach, which I think is probably the decision that, you know, Paul maybe needs to make. Bring a guy from outside the program, some fresh eyes. I'm not talking about Gary Anderson, five wide type stuff. I'm just talking about a new lens on the pro style offense and have a guy who's, who's coaching the most important position on the field. And right now it's, it's Paul Christ, who's the head coach. And Bob Dunn, who's a graduate assistant, I, you know, that, that to me is a problem for a team that wants to play in the playoff. And, you know, that's, that's my opinion, but I, I just don't think that's a good recipe. I think you need to have an offensive coordinator who is also the quarterback's coach, because that's the most important position on the field. For sure. I think that, I think as this season's going, you can see where the problems have become even bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think not having a, a true offensive coordinator who's, I don't know how to say this, who, 
Paul Chris has so much to do. He's the head coach. Look at Barry. You want to take Barry was never one of the coordinators. He was, he would make play calls. He'd be like, Hey, coach white, do this play or no, I don't want to do that play. Do something different. You know, but he, but Barry was to me, the best CEO of a company. He let these guys call plays. He let coach B run the defense. He let coach white and then coach Chris run the offense. Yet he had trust in these guys. I want that for coach Chris. I really think he's a great coach. And I think his eye with another true OC would be leaps and bounds better than what we're seeing. I, it's just weird because you don't ever see an O-line so so poorly playing together. You know, they could be good guys individually, but it does the O-line doesn't play individually. You know, like you're not lining up one-on-one. You're lining up as five guys, and they are not playing well together. I think there's got to be – I don't want to say a mix-up of people need to get fired, but I think people need to be – sit on a hotter seat, you know. Yeah. When you drive it into the stadium and it's a hot day out, put your seat warmer on. Feel what it feels like. Because, listen, I am one individual, but there are a lot of Badger fans who are all saying this is not acceptable or this is not the product we can have on the field. And I'm glad that you brought up, you know, look, obviously Barry had a a ton of success, but you're you're the CEO, right, of – of an enterprise essentially. And I, th- it, I think it's, you're, you're more valuable when you can oversee things. And right now, you know, Paul Christ is, is diving deep right now into the offense and in the play calling and that, and it's, look, you have Jim Leonard on the other side who you would probably trust him to run the defense with just any, just about any defensive coordinator in the country. I get that. But to, to be more of the big picture guy as a head coach, I, I personally think is important. And that's, it, it sounds to me like that's what Barry's role was letting guys coach, putting them in those positions and you just kind of being that Eagle eye over everything. Yeah. But that's what made, I think us very successful. Barry let the coaches coach and he would come in and swing in. And, you know, if, if you did something wrong, he'd let you know, if you did something great, he'd let you know. And I don't know what the meetings were like, you know, with all the coaching staff, but I could only think that, you know, as we say, he's the Don, like that's exactly probably everyone walked in, they kissed the ring, they sat down, they go, this is what we're going to do this week. And Coach Alvarez is probably like, all right, I like that. I don't know if I really like that throw to Lee Evans. But, the, you know, like <laughs> there had to, he definitely was not standing by the running backs. We're in um, in individual. I never saw him. In, I think he just stood in the middle of the field, watched. It's weird because he was a defensive guy who then I think watched more of the offense. Yeah. And, and and I think he, I think because he was such a good defensive guy, he took on the offense because it wasn't his strength and it became his strength. But I'm on a rant because it's, it's just so, Matty P knows, like we talk all the time, like it's so hard to, to watch a product of football that, you know, I came from New York to go to Wisconsin. Like this is my pride and joy. Like, I'm not from Wisconsin, but I love it more than anything. And I just feel really bad for the guys and the fans, the coaching staff. I never want to call for someone to get fired unless you're a Jets coach or anyone on the Jets. Um, but I just want these guys to play better, and there's no reason they can't. Yeah, and not Matt, not to take over your show here, but, uh, you know, uh, Colin Wilder brought up, you know, after Notre Dame, maybe against Michigan, too, of like, you know, apologizing to alumni and saying like, this is not acceptable. Like, what is your perspective on that as someone who's been part of that building block 
phase for the Badgers. You know, it, I respect it. I don't think he needs to apologize for anything. I don't think really any of the guys do. You know, I, to me, it's it's not like these guys went into camp and went into the offseason and, like, didn't work hard. Like, oh, you know, we're just not going to go to practice. And I don't think any of these guys did. You know, we talked, they, they were hitting PRs in the, in, the, in the weight room. These guys came in strong, physical, fast. I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but is it coaching or is it something else that's not allowing these guys? Is it the NIL? Like, is their minds somewhere else? Now you're now you're your own enterprise. You have to go to school, which was brutal when I was there. And then you have to play football. And if you don't play well, the pressure, you're not going to sell T-shirts or you're not going to sell your likelihood to, I don't know, Honda or Wando's because I have to throw in my favorite place. Or, of course, <laughs> I don't know. There just seems to be – there's got to be something else that I'm, that I'm just not understanding that's just – too much for people. Right. And, and losing opens the door for all this conversation, right? You exactly. Know, I, if we were four and oh, we would just be like, oh, we're going to crush Brent right. Belima. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but all right. So, 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 John, I'm going to get, get you out of here with two questions A, score prediction for this weekend, and B, favorite place to grab a, a beer after a game in Madison, after a win, after a win in Madison. Um, man, it's, it's, it's just, it's tough to talk yourself into a Wisconsin win these days. Um, even though it kind of, it feels like it's setting up for that. I, I think Illinois comes on top some 17 to 13, you know, there's this, this grant. I feel, I feel a lot better if Mertz was riding some momentum from that second half into Illinois but look, you know, he's going to play. That, that's, that's what we got from Chris today, that, that he's – him and Ferguson have been pra- – I should say him and Ferguson have been practicing, right? So you'd expect him to play on Saturday. Um, it's just tough to talk yourself into a win. And I don't know. I'm looking at Brett's big smile. That's in the, kind of in the back of my head, and I, I just think that you'll see that smile on Saturday um, as the lights go down in Champagne. That's, that's what I see happening. Uh, I mean, favorite play. I don't know, Matt, like I walked around campus and like a lot of places are different, man. Like, yeah. Uh, Wando's is still there. The KK still there. Um, we used the to KK, see, you need an app to get into, I think. So, yeah, I saw that like, uh, maybe a barcode on your neck to scan yourself in there or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was trolling around region. Actually region street has become more fun. I mean, listen, Wando's is my tippity top. Yeah. But once I'm once I'm done there and there's no more Coors Lights, I got to find somewhere else. I, I went to Jordan's Big Ten Pub. I had a good time. I've always sure. had fun at you know the Red Zone. Uh, one one time I did a radio show and John Stocko was on ESPN across the street and we were just throwing stuff at him across the street. It was great. Um, I, I you know game days are special in Madison. I think you'll still. I'm going back next week. You're going to see people going to the games. I am never going to go against the Badgers. So I think they win. I don't know the score because I don't think we can score, but I don't think Illinois is going to really score that much. I think they're going to throw a lot of deep balls and I'm hoping we're prepared for that, but Jimmy's smarter than I am by a trillion. So I, I think we, I think we pull it out maybe like a field goal or like an extra point to win. It would be very tight though. 
All right. All right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I'm not giving a prediction. Uh, uh, I'm pulling her straight. Uh, I'm not going to make a prediction. I'm calling the game. No. Um, but uh, <laughs> listen, I'm definitely wearing a different T-shirt than I've worn the last two weeks. I'm running out of Badgers gear. I've worn a different shirt for every game this year, and we, we can't we can't find the right we can't find the right one. Like, I wore the fullback the fullback city shirt, and that one has to take a break yeah. this week. It's a shame. It's a real shame. All right, John, uh, let everyone know where they can uh, th- they can find you. Yeah, you can find me every day, badgerblitz.com, obviously. Um, I'll be at uh, some prairie tomorrow night to see Isaac Ham, uh, potential badger there. So we'll get that, and then we'll roll right into game day. Um, a lot of coverage on the site already. We're talking to uh, the Illinois site to kind of get their um, their view on things. And uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's McNamara Rivals. Uh, we have an Instagram page too. I don't really know how to use Instagram from being honest with you. We're still working out the kinks with that. So uh, if you find me on Instagram, you can teach me how to use it and give us a follow there too. But yeah, uh, locked and loaded, you know, whether they win or lose, we'll try to get you the best, uh, the best product on the site each and every day. Awesome. All right. Well, Matt, we really appreciate it. Make sure to check out badgerblitz.com. Uh, if I do say so, it is the best badger message board. The badger badgers den is definitely the best Badger message board around. Uh, it's definitely the best community of Badger fans. Uh, don't need to head anywhere else for great insight uh, and great content. So until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.